When legends unite, greatness can be achieved. And Sunless Sky is about to set the Cleveland metal scene on fire with its upcoming full-length release, Prelude to Madness. We have it, and we will be playing new songs both this week and next, as this amazing conversation with Juan Ricardo and Ed Miller was just too much for one episode. We have Sunless Sky. I'm Big Bry. Level Up Cleveland starts right now. All right, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Level Up Cleveland. And today we have with us the guys from Sunless Sky. That's right, we have with us today Mr. Juan Rincardo. Hello, everyone. And Mr. Ed Miller. Not with us today is Mr. Yule Tyler Martin, the drummer. But maybe we'll get him down here on another episode and we'll talk to him. But right now we're going to talk to you guys. Um, this is being uh, recorded uh, the night after you guys just played at the Maple Grove. Correct. In Maple yeah. Heights. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a big, uh, big bill. A lot yeah, of bands. A lot of bands. Great bands. Um, this won't be aired until next week, but we'll go ahead and uh, I want to talk about that. So how'd that go last night? Really, really great. Really great. We had a lot of awesome bands, and they were, each one was a different genre, which is interesting. Not really something that typically happens, you know. Um, but um, it was great. It was in support of a band coming in from Detroit, friends of ours called uh, uh, Salvation's End which is great thrash power metal band. And so uh, it was just one of those great nights that, you know, at a local club and everybody came down and had a great time. Cool. Um, now, before we get too into this, people don't know you. Um, you in Cleveland, uh, the Cleveland area, would be considered somewhat of a legend. You've been around for a lot of years. A long time. Decades. Long time. And um, you've been a part of a lot of the biggest Cleveland metal bands that have ever I wouldn't want to say maybe ever, I've, but I've been lucky. I've been enough. blessed, blessed and lucky. Yes, um, I've been, you know a lot of good things have happened. And 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 recently you're in Sun the Sky, but you're also right. involved in other bands as well right, right now. But a lot. But right now I want to <laughs> go back to let's go back to kind of back in the start. Sure, absolutely. So so um, first of all, you you you're, you come here um, from Puerto Rico. You're not you're, you're so let's just start right there. Right, I was born in Puerto Rico, and. Um, to go back to the story, how I ended up here was it's like a lot of Puerto Ricans at the time in the, you know, during World War II, men went out to war and women worked. That was sort of the culture. They were in the factories and the auto industry and the steel industries. It was what people did. Right. Everybody supported that. And then when the 50s came around and the Korean War happened, women were in a sort of a phase of, the housewife was what the most important things. You know, you think of the lever to beaver and they're in the dresses. Right. You know, that's that was the culture at the time. So women didn't want to leave their homes and then go in these industrial jobs. And all the men, the young men were at war and there was a shortage of labor and personnel for the auto industry and the steel industries. And... Someone got the idea, like, you know, um, Puerto Rico at that time had become a commonwealth of America, so we became citizens, American citizens. 
We didn't need work visas. We didn't need any of that stuff. So when you get the ideas, when we go down there and recruit Puerto Rican men, young men, to come to America and work and fulfill these jobs. And that's what he did. And my father was one of them. And he came and worked at the steel yard and at Ford and and after a few years brought his family to Cleveland. And that's where a lot of Puerto Rican uh, come, you know, to New York and... and the big and, industrial and, places and, at right, the time. Chicago and Detroit and Cleveland. That's where how we are all here. And at, the, at first I was just like a kid, you know, I really... Coming into the American culture, I right away gravitated to the music, the rock music that I was hearing on the radio, and just like that, wow, that just it just that was what I it was all I thought about, you know. And everybody else was, you know, in that culture was like listening to like salsa music and you know yeah. that sort of genre. But I was into listening to rock music, and when when I was still very young, I was still like ten, you know, nine or ten years old. I asked my mom, I go, you know what? I want a drum set. So the what she would have did, she wouldn't buy me a set of timbales. I said, no. no That's not get, drums. No, get it. I don't want to play Spanish music. I want to play rock music. And so then I literally put together my own little drum kit. Before that, I was even learning how to play drums, doing what they call air drums, literally how to play, literally my hands, my feet, Correct, yeah. that rhythms and singing, listening to songs and singing. I was just really, really music oriented. And then... At some point, my mom had friends that were in this Spanish band, and they lost their singer their, their, and their drummer right before their show. So they, my mom goes, you know what? My son plays drums. I was like, what? And so I showed up, and they were like, this is un niño. It's a little kid. Are you kidding me? I thought, I thought your son was like a, a, a man, you know, or at least a teenager. I'm like, I literally am like 10 years old. Oh, my God. So I sit down behind the kit, and after a while, after a while they go, oh, hey, he can really play. And I, I literally never been in a band, took no lessons or nothing, just literally from air drums and then little, my little drum kit, basically learned, taught myself how to play. And so they had brought in these two girls that were just awful. They were just they were really, really bad to sing. And because they were like, you know, hard pressed, you know, for it. So we went to do the show and we're actually doing the show. And they had set up a microphone literally like this. Because I guess the original drummer used to sing, like do backgrounds. So the girls are singing. And after that one rehearsal, I'd already sort of had the melodies in my head. So I'm playing, I'm like playing, not really paying attention and started to sing along. Just like hum along and just sing along doing, not, you know, not right. really, even really knowing the words, just doing the harmonies and doing like harmonies. And after like a few songs, somebody in the audience goes, stop and goes, wait, who's that angel singing? <laughs> Everybody turns on, looks and realizes that I'm singing from the drum set. And then from then on, I literally started doing these shows where I was playing drums and singing. And, and that's so, how. And I, that's when you discovered that you actually had a voice. That I actually had a voice and people liked my singing and it gave me that confidence, you know. Singing is literally about confidence, being able to step outside yourself and, and just throw yourself out there with, with this abandon. That's how you really can sing is having that. You don't have anything to hold you back. Don't from. hold back. It's that I always say to people, I mean, what's the first rule to singing is to sing without fear, to actually sing, to let that emotion and that 
energy come out. Well, you do that for sure. I think you project yeah, that I quite think. well. I try. And then, <laughs> so then from there you go on and you and you uh, let's just say from there you you decide that you you have now established yourself that music is something that you're very interested in. Absolutely. And you, as much so as that you decide to take this to another level and you go to school, you actually go to college. Right. I, I, was, I was a drummer for a while till I got to into high school. And um, when I got out of high school, I decided, you know what? I really want to, that year or so in, in the later high school, I started playing drums and actually got to the point of being asked to play in the studio. And I was actually in... North Carolina, in Raleigh, North Carolina, actually playing on a record, playing drums. And I was playing drums, and um, at one point the singer is doing this thing, this thing, and they're like, he couldn't hit the harmonies. And I, said, and I said, you know what? I could probably hit those harmonies. He goes, really? So they asked me to go in, and I did the harmonies on the record. And then as I sat down, the engineer was like, hey, man, that was a great job. I go, really? Oh, thanks. You have a really good voice. Really? He goes, you have a better voice than the singer. <laughs> I go, and I was, at that point, I really was kind of like, really? He goes, and he has a recording contract, and you're getting paid like 20 bucks. And that really... Stuck with you. That, literally, that moment changed my life. Uh, when I got home, I had, like, this new Pert drum kit, Tama Star, like, you know, and I gave it to the drummer of my band. I literally said, I'm going to make this move and it's not going to be a halfway move it's going to be this move and all my friends were shocked like you're a really good drummer and to them was like you're really going to be a singer i i made that uh, that statement in my life in my mind and when i got to college i you know i was just starting college and i was a psychology major and i switched my major to music and people are like you know everybody's like what what, you, what sort of you know and i i went and i started studying opera and I, I, I mean, I really said to myself, I want to be not just, I want to be a great singer, not just a good singer. And at, you know, at that point, I, you know, I was studying opera and uh, I was at a party and everybody was like, you know, I'm the singing guy now. And I was like, you know, and I'm like singing everywhere. I can't stop singing. Everybody's like, man, that guy sings everywhere, you know? So I'm at a party and I'm singing and um, uh, like I tell the story that they, uh, there was this girl passed out out in the lawn and everybody brings her in, you know, all the girls gather around her and they're giving her coffee. He's like, what there's, what's this? You know, we're a bunch of college kids, you know, short hair, listening to jazz and classical music. You know what I mean? Right, we're right, like, right. A, a, you know, college kids, you know, I'm going to Cleveland state school of music and we sit them down and we drinking this girl and she looked completely different than anything I'd ever seen. She was dressed almost, I guess, did like a gymney with, you know, gypsy with bracelets and this long hair and, you know, and she's sitting in his chair and she sort of, I just went back to singing. And she's singing this chair and after a few minutes she's like coming around to it and she goes, she asks to use the phone and I say, hey, you can ask her friends to come get her. And after she's sitting there for a while, these people show up and knock on the door and what comes to the door is these denim and leather dressed long haired guys come in you know says that wow you must be here to pick up it goes and like no 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 she caught us we're not here to get her we're here to hear you sing (laughs) and i was like what that's and everybody's like what are you talking about because man she says man you have to hear this guy sing 
And so it turned out this was this metal band. And I listened to, you know, like ACDC, and I, I had these imports of, like, what you consider metal now. You know, you listen to Black Sabbath and Judas Priest when they first came out. I mean, this is yeah. the late 70s. And right. people are dating myself. People go like, what? This is like <laughs> the late 70s, like 77, 8, 78 or so. And they're like, uh, you ever heard of metal? I go, metal. And they said it like, you know, we're not talking rock. Like, you heard of metal? And I was like, you mean like Judas Priest? And they're like, exactly, Judas Priest. They were like, oh my, just the fact that I even knew yeah, right. that, there was, you know, that there was a band called Judas Priest was what they were like, exactly. And you're like, you mean like Victim of Changes? Go, can you do Victim of Changes? You know, Victim of Changes! And they're like, oh my God, exactly. And that's, and that's it. And I didn't sing metal, didn't do anything like this, really wasn't, knew anything about it. And that band was Stryker. And then that was really... No kidding. Yeah, just from there. Just and so Striker, that's the first band that you were ever in, really? And, and, and as far as, like, you're in a metal band well, now? I was the, the metal band and a singer. Up up to that point, I'd been in several bands in the 70s. As a drummer. As a drummer and doing background vocals, that sort of thing, singing. But where it went from, that was the turning point. And it all happened, like, in consecutively. You know what I mean? Where I decided I'm going to be a, a singer, got rid of my drum set, studied music, and next thing I know... I'm in this metal band and literally uh, onto a record label, literally like just like that. Yeah, right. It happened all so fast. It happened like just like that. Yeah, matter of fact, this wasn't like your first gig with Stryker. Didn't you open up for Breaker? I we opened up for Breaker was like a really big thing in Cleveland right, at the time. Right. It was, you know, this is like I just. I, it's funny to say it like that. Some things happen for a reason. I just happened to just at that moment, appear in what was now considered like the golden age of Cleveland metal. Right. Uh, Breaker was this band that was doing this, you know, amazing Maiden-style music when, you know, that's... We, it, Cleveland had this, um, like, this underground movement of music that was comparable to what was going on. You know what I mean? Yes, it was. So it was, it was it's, huge it's amazing. Yeah, it was. and so that my, my first band is opening for their first headlining show. It's like, just like this... Yeah, it was like a dream come true, yeah, considering everybody. it was your very first one. You're like, very I'm first. already starting off at this point. Right. I actually, here's a, you left. I actually, I didn't even know how to dress. I dressed like an opera singer. I wore a white shirt and black <laughs> slacks. For the first gig you did my this? My first gig, I dressed like an opera singer because that's, I just, you know, that's when everybody, everybody's like, I did. And then I just ran around like, you know, and doing these, and, you know, the show starts off, and I'm like, you know, and the first song is like, it's called, you know, Skies Turn Black. And I'm, you know, like, Skies Turn Black! And everybody's like, I'm like, what? And they're like, and they're like, okay, this is something like, wow, this guy, you know. Yeah, can, he's got he's got pipes. That's he's when people pipes, realize. And yeah, you know, it's when, you know. So so then you go on, and and, and uh, what happens with Striker? Well, how, how does that? Well, Striker. Or Striker. Yeah, well, Striker. What happens with of, Striker? Well, basically, Striker, you know, like the guitar player was only like 15, 16 years old. I mean, these are really a bunch of young guys. And after about a few, you know, months and a few shows, you know, I I was doing these shows, and, and it's crazy. I mean, this band went from, you know, opening that to headlining shows, you know, headlining our own shows. Where And you look at the bands that were opening up for us, we're like, you know, you know, like, what? You know, yeah. there were bands, other bands from that, that thing. And I was just, to be honest, just getting up there and just yelling my face off. You know what I mean? Yeah, just, so at the time you were just loving it. You are yeah, just I'm having just a great it. time. But I, I really was like, you know what? 
I wasn't happy with how I was singing. I was still just basically getting up there and just screaming all the time. And I was like, you know, that's, I don't want to just sit there and just, you know, I want to be, I wanted to be a real singer. So I basically said, you know what, I'm going to step back and went back to school. Oh. Um, and went back to studying and went back to, you know, starting to learn more stuff. And at that point, you know, eventually, you know, Striper sort of like disintegrated. They got like another singer for a little while, but they kind of sort of fell apart. And I met a, a, a girl that saw, you know, I'd formed another band not that long after called War Master, where I really began to evolve as a singer and just, um, you know, and at that point, a girl, um, it was another short-lived band, you know what I mean, that I was just evolving and now I began to be more operatic and less just, just shouting and screaming. Yeah. And a girl at one of the War Master shows said, I, you know, you guys are, they're really good, but I have... Uh, a guitar player. My my boyfriend's is an amazing guitar player. And I hear that. You know, <laughs> we hear that. You hear that all the time. Right. My boyfriend's an amazing guitar player. Right. They, of course they think they're boyfriend. Of course they're great. Right. Right. No. He goes, no, for real. He's not from around here. He just moved here from Southern Ohio. I go, and that sort of piqued my interest that he wasn't somebody, because I basically at this point already had so seen... So like you knew them all. So I'd, like, I'd yeah, seen right. a lot of gu the guitar players around. They're, they're either really good and in a band or not in a band for a reason. You know I mean? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Whether it's a mental problem you know, or you know, something. Something's right, going right. on. And so I met this guy, and uh, his his name was Scott Stage, and um, he was really an amazing guitar player, and not the style that was at the style of the time. That everyone else was doing. Yeah, he actually came from like a southern rock band that was, no joke, it was actually called Lizzie Borden. And it's not the Lizzie Borden that's oh, the different. 80s metal band. It was actually a southern rock band with three lead guitar players that was oh. based around like a Leonard Skinner uh, format outlet. type. Yeah. So he was just one of those guys that just just was doing all these amazing uh, riffs and style of playing that was so different than everybody else. And me and him formed Attacks. Yeah, and I remember attacks when that. I and remember that, that was like the, the the craziest, craziest time because it was right when everything was exploding. All these labels were picking up metal bands. That's when metal bands this was this early '80s, and and that's when you know metal was king. Is '83, '84, '85. That's when attacks was going on, and we're playing all these big shows and and uh, creating this in, in really, really incredible music, really melodic, really powerful. Um, I become a real singer in my, you know, my idea, you know, become more of a singer. And um, it, it just spawned, went from there, you know, Attacks was like this uh, band that did all these things and all these record labels were looking at the band and things happened. You know, we, we got courted by Epic and, and they flew us to Chicago and we did a demo for them. Our, our demo was like number one. Our demo that we did ourselves was like number one in the, all, back to time, you know, this before the internet and all this digital stuff or, or, you know, people, 
reached out to people literally hand and hand to mouth. You know, they they made their own flyers, their own they they did their own little magazines. Uh, college radio is huge, like it still is now. It's, and Bill Peters is still Bill, up. He's he still is, doing it. He's like the pioneer of that stuff. But yeah. it, at the time, it spread out to all these. You know, college stations were like, that's how you listen to. That's how you found. That's how you found out who was who, who was, was out there. Who was out there, and like a taxes demo was like number one in all these stations all over America, and Epic was recording us, and we did a showcase for them, and flew there and did a demo for them, and then um, things happened, and just as we were about to get signed, you know, Scott went out to a bar. We did like a suit out show at the Fantasy, and um, he went out to a bar with his brother, and ended up um, ended up killing somebody in a in a bar fight. Oh my god! And just changes history. That's from, basically that's yeah. That's the end of that. So that's you know. Then the labels were just like, no, we're not. And even though I could got other incredible guitar players like you know Greg Perry from Purgatory was helping us write songs. Like half the songs that people know was Attacks were actually written with Greg Perry and myself. That we were like doing a you know side project thing and, and you know things that just then they were like not interested. And that's how that's how it goes. And we're going to talk about Ed for a few minutes here, about um, how far back we'll go is to about 16 years old, somewhere in that time when Ed started his his career, a little earlier than um, Juan did. Um, started off with a band called Mystic. Mm-hmm. Let's start right there. So you you're, you joined Mystic at 16 years old. Mm-hmm. How how'd that go? How's, what, what you, then what happens? Um. You know, they were already an established band in the uh, Cleveland area. And, um, you know, I got together with those dudes and stuff and started doing shows. That was my first experience to any of that kind of stuff, you know. Like uh, my first recording I ever did was with those guys too. And, um, you know, this guy was around in that time period doing different bands and stuff. You yeah, know? it was about the same time frame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was in a band called Torment at the time when all that was going down, we used to do shows together all the time and stuff. Um, you know, we got signed in 92 to Massacre Records. Correct. Yeah, we were actually the first Cleveland band to get signed to a European label. Really? Mm-hmm. This is Mystic. So this is the album that you guys put out, uh, The Plot Sickens? Mm-hmm, on the label, yeah. And you guys toured that album. We did. Um, yeah, we were fortunate enough to uh, do a European tour with Paul Diano. From Iron Maiden. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were out there for three weeks on that one. We did uh, one show with Ian Gillen. From Deep Purple. Deep Purple, yeah. There was supposed to be three shows, but two of them had gotten canceled, so we only just got to do the one. Right, right, right. So so when it comes to uh, uh, people that don't know, but metal music, especially, this is like early 90s, right? Would I be right, correct mm-hmm. in saying that? 92, at, yeah. And so at the time... In the 90s, what's happening here is the Nirvana thing starting to, to, to heat up. Grunge right is starting to get that. bigger. Metal starting to kind of fade out in America. But that never happened overseas. Mm-hmm. It stayed as, as, as crazy over there as it ever was. And this is where you guys are thriving at this point over there. This stuff's being... Uh, you, you were also signed at right. this time also, I was signed right? to the same label. Right. And it, it was amazing because when Ritual got signed... Um, it. it so when Richard got signed, there was it was, uh, you know, our record was there in America. I mean, you couldn't even get any attention at all at the nineties because grunge had literally just wiped out metal. 
But in Europe, Ritual's album uh, went to number one. And and uh, literally number one, literally number one, and it was it's it was like you think about it, it just seems amazing now. You so you that stuff's not even possible now. Um, and the single off the album, she writes the sky was on top of the chart, and that's like you think you're that's you know, and you know there are other songs and there's like ABBA on that chart. It's like it's like you, it's such a different genre. Right, and, and, and at the same time, this is exactly the same thing that happened with Mystic. So you guys get there, you get signed, your album comes out, and it's charting. I mean, you guys are both charting in in like Germany and in, in, in the European countries, right? Right. As a as on the regular charts, not you know the not just metal, not just a, a special chart that was no. This is and and and, and so the, how are these when you guys are like so when Mystics out there touring with these bands? What kind of reception are you guys get at that point? I mean, when you're open up for a Paul Diano. How is your reception? Do you guys remember? I mean, can you remember? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I can remember. Time, a long time ago. I, mean. I, I was young when it was going down. You know, I was 19. You know, I didn't, I didn't have anything to do, you know, with us getting signed or anything at all. I was kind of just like kind of there for the ride. You know, I was right, young. Right. I didn't know what was going on, you know. Um, but it was very strange to me because... Um, on that tour, if you looked at it, you would swear that we were the headliners. Really? Know? That's what I've yeah, kind of wondered. Like, so everyone knew who you were. I mean, you're showing up to gigs where these people, people actually know you. People were driving hundreds of miles away to like towns that, that we were playing in and stuff like that. Um, you know, we were over there twice. Um, they sent us over there the first time to record the album. And, uh, we were there for three weeks on that one, too. You know, we lived in the studio, you know. Um, and we went back after the album was released. It sold pretty good. It was like a 1,000 copies in a and that, month. And that sort of thing is, it, it's still like that there. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, until the, recently because of COVID, but I go to, you know, Europe a lot. And, I mean, I go to shows and people, they say they take a train for five hours to come to a show. Wow. I mean, yeah. You, don't, you know, yeah. people don't do that here. It's just like, okay, if they're not, if they're not in the city, well, we're not going to, you know, that's, that's all. I'm not oh, doing they, that. They're playing Erie. We're not going you know, to, unless it's some <laughs> huge band, you know, they're, right. you know, and you're talking about not, not huge bands. It's yeah. Just, we're just talking like, you know, yeah. basically underground metal bands. And they're just, it's just part of the, their culture that is so different. Ingrained. Yeah. It's so ingrained. So. And you know, the strange thing was like when we went over there that first time, you know, we had, uh, the band had actually had three demos before that, you know. Uh, the the one right before we went was called Come Die With Us. I wasn't on that or nothing, but um, it sold really good out there. I remember there was this guy out there. His name was Oliver Young. He was a distributor. Now, this is pre-internet, all that, you know what I mean? Strictly word of mouth kind of stuff, you know. This guy would buy, like, boxes, of our demo, you know, well, we had like, you know, local band mentality. We were just like, Ooh, sold another box. You know, nice, and we yeah, didn't right. really think that this guy was actually getting rid of all these tapes. And, you know, that dude that buys the tape, you know, five of his buddies are also recording that tape off of him. And oh yeah. Just, right, right, right. It was like a huge thing. You know, when they sent us over there, they, uh, put us in this uh, studio in the middle of nowhere. It was called Bindersheim, Germany. 
And uh, people, we thought it was kind of weird because people would show up at this uh, studio, didn't even speak English, you know, so like the dude that was producing the stuff, he had to like translate for us. People were showing up for, you know, driving many miles. Like fans? Because they heard <laughs> that we were there cool. recording an album, yeah. And that was be way before the album even got released. That was during the recording of it. This is, and this is the plot second still. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I still am, am, I'm actually friends with people on Facebook of people that drop by the studio during those sessions. Still to this day, uh, well, so, I mean, I came across them. Do you guys uh, ever? Do you guys remember times where you played together? Like when you guys actually played together? Do you guys remember some of that well, you time together? Together yeah. or are you talking about no, no, like, no. Doing... At this time, when you guys were when you're yeah, when, you're in Mystic, mm -hmm. and, and at the was... time you're in Torment, right? At the right, time, right? And then Torment went on to become Ritual, Ritual, right? And, and that, that was, was the band. That's that's what, how we. You went to the Bindersheim studio <laughs> yeah, right after right. us. Oh, same studio also. Right, yeah. it was in Frankenthal. Mm -hmm. And what basically happened is we had done a demo after they got signed. And we sent our demo to different distributors there. And distributors were selling it. And they were actually like going to festivals and selling our demo. And then from there, those they would actually like... It, when that's how it kind of started, and then our demo sort of... People were record stores from there were ordering our demo. Really? So then our, it got into the record stores. And at that point, our demo and our song in the dungeon actually charted. And that's when it was like, this is a demo and we're an American band. And that's when... And which doesn't doesn't hold a lot of weight in America. Demos are just like things right. that... Demos are people, something people yeah. toss. And but, they, are, they, were, they are selling and buying demos. I know. And... Uh, at that point, we got, you know, Mystic was already signed, and he said, well, you know, that band, that Torment band you're talking about, that's our friends. And they sort of got given the word that, yeah, you know, the, that band you're looking that you see that's charting with, their, that's our friends. My, you know, uh, friend's band are my, the bass players were, were brothers. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Jack and Joe. Yeah. So the our oh. bass player was the was the kill coins. The, yeah, the kill coins. Ah, yeah. I do and, remember now. And, see, just, and yeah. then that sort of like massacre basically looked and said, "Oh wow, that's wow." In, in that connection was like, "Wow, Cleveland is like crazy." How's that yeah. crazy that there's these two bands that are doing so well and they're here, and they literally caught us up and we had the recording on our voice, you know, on our phone, you know, we had a phone. Yeah, 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 yeah. As, as good as it could be, right. And the guy actually brought the whole thing to the studio, pulled it and plugged it up and said, played it, goes, hello, this is, you know, something of a massacre records, and we're just calling to say, we want to sign you, just like that. Just like over the phone, like the message. That's the message. Really? And like screaming and running around. And that was, that was, this is the first time anything like that's happened, right? So when you and, well, when and, we got the letter and the calls and stuff, we didn't believe it. We thought the guy was full of shit. <laughs> really. We thought that guy was full of shit until we got a call from the uh, airport saying that our plane tickets were there. That's really. We, that's when that's, you knew it was for real. Yeah, that's when we and were. And that's like, what did oh. too. They they're like, you know, no, we rather so you have a choice. Do you want to? Record because our recording was really, really well done. Uh, we'd spent like three months on our demo, which is like more than some people spend on albums. Correct. Yeah. And um, they were like, you know, it's not that we need to you need to re-record these songs, but you, you if you want, you want to come to Germany and re-record the songs. 
And at the point was like, you know what, should we just stay here and just start using our energy or do you want to go to Germany? You're like, <laughs> yeah, it's, not, it's a no-brainer yeah, at this point, right? Yeah, this yeah. Is, Are you kidding me? And so we flew to Germany, did the same thing, spent three weeks, recorded the album, and... Um, so how long it took you both to record that album? About three weeks? Well, that, that was, that that was the time skip. That was the that time. Was time. Oh, so you had three weeks. We that had was three it. weeks. Yeah. yeah, to record the album. That's still cool. That's still at the time. That's that's ample. That's, right? that's really that, fast. Is it I mean, tough? It was, was it tough? It, it was really worked fast. on like eight hours a day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was like no. sun up to sun down on the, on the record. Uh, like when we record the vocals... For that record, so everybody, this is for fan, little fan knowledge. So that those vocals on that album were literally recorded. Now, uh, you know, everything was done on tape, and everybody's like, "Tape, remember tape?" Oh yeah. Uh, so it was done on tape. But this is digital. So in the headset, when he pressed the button to like wind it back to the beginning of a line, let's say I'm, I'm reaching a line, you would hear this zip, zip, okay, and he would. It was literally like this. I couldn't even reach for the water. It was like. Do it again, zip. Do it again, and before it, it would, I would sing the line, and it, it couldn't even reach why. You go, do it, zip. You hear the, <laughs> I would just hear that zip, and I meant oh, I have to go, and he would make me sing, and we, I sang the lines like over and over and over, like line by line, you know, song by song, all the way through the entire album, like in like, I, I swear it's like three days. Really? Yeah, like like nonstop, just kept like, doing. It. Like every day for like you know to the point of like I think I took a break after like three days and said okay I, I just need a break and I I'd never done anything like, I couldn't even literally <laughs> I'd be like I couldn't even get to what I couldn't reach to get the water to my mouth for zip you'd hear that sound it was like in my in my nightmares at that point <laughs> it was great awesome. awesome you can't you can't go back on some of those, those memories and those things that you see the firsts all the firsts that you experience all the firsts, yeah, like all, all the firsts. crazy times like those the attack the shows oh my god just nuts with you know you know all the beer bottles and Jack Daniels bottles lined up on on the stage and everybody's like this huge party and it, one of these crazy things Richard was recording there like that and you're living there yeah you know it's like it, it was, like, it was like a culture shock. It was culture. It was not just not just the weirdness of it. It was it was like we thought, you know, like Americans that would just go to the store. That was one of the greatest things ever that happened to me is that we went and we would get up like noon and say, Oh man, we're hungry, let's go. And that's like the first day. And we went out there, went out to the store and Restaurant is closed. The gas station's closed. The supermarket's closed. And we got back to the house, and we still set some stuff in the fridge. Oh, can no big deal. Only some water and stuff like that. Second day comes because we arrived on a Friday, and sessions then start to Monday. Okay, and say, hey Americans, hey you stay, you stay in the studio. It's just literally just a studio. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, slept on the floor. Yeah, and yeah, oh, really? yeah, 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 absolutely. So then I actually stepped in, slept in the booth. That's, that was my spot. Split in the booth. So the second day we go, we got up again around eleven o'clock. We stayed up all night. Like, oh man, we're so here. It's so great. We stay up all night. Got up about eleven o'clock. Let's go roam around. We look around, go to all the stores. Nothing's open. Now we're out of food. We're out of literally water, and we're afraid that you know we didn't. I mean, literally. Come Sunday, we go around. and go, okay. There's something. We actually walk to the next town, Mannheim, looking for. And everything's closed. Noon, walk around. We say, oh, man, this is like, like, I don't know what's wrong with this place. There's no one out. There's nobody around. You can't talk. Nobody knows how to speak. And, you know, we're back home and we're starving. Monday, we haven't literally been drinking water. Just tap water. I mean, we're just unbelievable. And they walk in. 
What's the matter with you guys? We haven't eaten. There's no stores open. And they all have, ah, you silly Americans. <laughs> At noon in Europe, everyone goes home for lunch. Oh. You actually go home for an hour. You don't just, you don't say that like we have half an hour to yeah. eat lunch. Get back out there and work. They, have a, they come early, they leave, they have like a two hour break, they go home and actually have a sit down meal with their families for lunch. And then they go back to work and every, like Americans, it's lunchtime or breakfast time, we go out to go, and every, there's everything would be closed. There'd be no place to eat. No kidding. No restaurants or nothing. We're like, oh my God, we couldn't figure it out. Like, what's wrong with this place? We had to figure out this time, this different yeah, time thing. Laugh, people they eating. laughed at us. I mean, we were like, literally like, you know, pulling over the seat cushions for gum. I mean, that's, I mean. Everything closed early too. Yeah, clo it was very, very different. It was great. You, that's the sort of stuff you go to appreciate and to, you know, to experience. Absolutely. You know, that's a gang stuff. Well, absolutely, and as much like so, this experience really left its mark on you because I've talked to you about this a few times when you've told me that going back to Europe is is on your bucket list as far as things that you uh, we would already have been there this year. We were booked for the Full Metal Festival this March coming up. Um, of course, COVID is screwed it all up. Yeah, should have done It's not that the festivals aren't going on. It's just Americans and other countries aren't allowed to go. When you see the festivals, you see the lineups now, uh, 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 it's uh, uh. all European bands. Oh, it's I people that saying. are there. Your bands can't, you know, come over from here and the, Americans can't go there. No, You can't, can't catch my COVID. You can't cross. You can, right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't we, catch we your have our own COVID. COVID. We don't want yours. Yeah, you we don't need your right, COVID. Right. And it's not just that, you know, it's beyond just that you can't go. Okay, if you go, you're quarantined. So then you literally can't do anything anyway. You right? can't, right? You can't perform anyway. So you'd have to spend, you know, yeah, yeah you have to go there for a month to play one right, show. Right, right. So it's just, it's just technically isn't right. So, but that's gonna, that's gonna lift pretty soon. And when that does, I mean, you guys got a new album coming out now, and that's another Absolutely. thing, you know, like I wanted to touch on was that let's talk about Song of the Sky for a second because the old Song of the Sky, it was, you know, it was what time it was a four piece. It was started as a five piece. Right. Okay. Right. Correct. It was. It started, it started as a five, five piece. piece. Right. Exactly. Um, and uh, that's what Firestarter was the it five was, piece. Fire Breather was fire our breather. first album. Uh, it starts a fire as a as a as a five piece. I was in dark Had green. Drew Barrymore on the cover. I was on dark. I was in dark green at the time. <laughs> is that who that is? Yeah. And um, um, dark green is a you know a band. In fact, their our last album that just came out last year was voted. Yeah, I was going to talk about that Grant, because yeah, yeah that's yeah. a that's a big deal right now. Yeah. That's another thing going on. Yeah, and um, um, but it's basically always has been mostly a studio project, and it's been you know a good couple years on an album, and uh, a band opened up for Dark Arena, one of our few shows, and they came out and they had all these Gibsons and Marshalls and this tubes and just this incredible sound, and I I approached them. Uh, after the show, say, hey, listen, man, you guys are really good. You have a really good singer. You know, don't get me wrong, but I'm really looking for a band to do a live thing, to play live. If you guys are ever looking to do a side project, they let me know. A couple weeks later, it turns out they got into a fight with that singer, and they ended up calling me up and saying, hey, do you really want to still do this? I go, yeah, let's get together. And so we got together and he had all this music and it was like that he'd written. I said, listen, I, I, I mean, I, I, I understand you have all this music, but I really want to do something new. If you don't mind taking your music and letting me 
literally rearrange it and, you know, do that kind of thing and make it our own and make a new band. And uh, the first song that we wrote together was Sub-Zero, and there's a line in there about a sunless sky. Oh. And and as we're picking words, I go, what about sunless sky? I think that would be a great name, and everybody agreed, and that's how sunless sky started from that opening band. There it is. There's the story. And that first year, after a few months of rehearsal, and, you know, they had all the music, I just sort of rearranged them. You know, rearrange the songs yeah. and put my lyrics. And that first year from, in, you know, 2012 to 2013, we did 100 shows. And really? And and Dark Arena, in like the 18 years that that band was from like, really started about 1996 to like 2010 years, I think Dark Arena did like three dozen shows. So I literally <laughs> tripled, oh, yeah. tripled the amount of shows that I had done up to that and that when I was in Dark Arena in one year. Now, now when it's Sun the Sky first formed, I believe you guys were down here at Level 5. You guys had a yeah. practice space here, yeah, actually we downstairs did. We did. from here. Yes, we did. And, and actually, that was at the same amount, the same time, I believe me and Pat got our rooms down here for our first time. And we distinctively remember hearing you guys play. Right. Um, because you guys were best band down here. Oh, wow. Thank and, you. Uh, and, well, and, and we would hear your voice cutting through this stuff, and we'd be like, who? <laughs> like what is that, is that going what's going on with this these guys and uh we did one time though notice that you guys were playing like a maroon five song yeah and and, and we were just like we were just like what is what, yeah what is what's going on that? with that well, it's you know we're trying everybody's trying to promote the band you know we're trying to do different things and in, in kentucky in and in west virginia there was this battle of the bands that they noticed us and asked if we wanted to uh, join, and it was for like a thousand dollars. But when you got there, it was like in, in every round, we just would blow away the other, you know, the other bands, and we'd go from round to round. And when we got to the final round, there was there was a thing where they were like, "Well, we, we know you can play. We know you have great songs." And to the last like four bands, you know, it was a two band, the final, the final, the final, just right. the two bands. But we're gonna do something different for this final. We're gonna make you play. We're gonna make you play a terrible song, and they had this hopper full of just the worst songs they could think of, <laughs> and they rode the hopper. And then you literally had to just reach in and that and pick whatever terrible song that was, and then make it your own. Make it a metal song. And you guys got Maroon Five. And we got a Maroon Science Five song. And so we turned it into a metal song. Yeah. Yeah, it sounded very much like Sun the Sky, like it everything else like you guys. Yeah, sky, it really did sound like. But it was obviously a maroon song. Pat was actually the one. He was like, dude, that band we were hearing? He's like, I think they played a Maroon 5 song. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, what? <laughs> yeah, dude, so we figured there had to be some good stuff. It was crazy that, that that band, we did a lot of different things. You know, very soon after, you know, after we'd got that time and had gotten that well established, uh, we started looking for record labels, and um, um, you know, we really didn't get a lot of of that sort of attention at first. And then I was kind of like, we told you know, so the manager, I said, I mean, I don't want to be like this. I go, why don't you tell them that I'm the singer of the band from Ritual? Because in Europe, I'd had a number one album, and that was like, you know, Pure Steel was like, oh my, oh Juan, and it turned out the president of the label actually owned my album. From the 90s. No kidding. He was a fan of Ritual. No <laughs> Yeah, kidding. he actually, you know, holding holding my album. So he actually knew who you were? He, he was like, exactly, signed them. 
just like that. Oh, so that's just great. That yeah. Happens. So then we signed it and we did this uh, crazy cover uh, of this baby screaming and, you know, doing like a Gene Simmons thing on the cover uh, to, to be like just outrageous, want to be outrageous. And that cover uh, was voted in Rolling Stones magazines as the worst metal cover of all time. <laughs> just for the record. That is for the record. <laughs> There was a there, and the thing that's so great, you know, about that is the other like that's like number one and number two on this list was uh, uh, Anthrax Fistful of Metal. No kidding, is the worst because did you ever look at that? And, the yeah, fist like, is backwards, backwards yes. And the uh, <laughs> and number three, I'm not kidding, was Black Sabbath Paranoid with the guy running around in his underwear. Oh, so that I, we, that's a high company. I said, wow, you went and, yeah, you were. I was gonna wow. say you were with them. That was them. Uh, those are some bad covers. And that's some bad. <laughs> 